All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Stacking Pennies. I'm your host, Corey Joel, a couple of my buddies. We're going to talk all things NASCAR. Coming up off week, headed to Nashville. Hope everybody had a great Father's Day. We're going to talk a little bit about Nash Vegas. We're going to talk about drivers singing country music. We're going to talk about Penny for Your Thoughts, and we're going to talk about Pit Road Boats and Woes with yours truly and Ryan Flores. Stand by. This is Stacking Pennies. <laughs> Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. Hope you guys had a great off week and a great Father's Day. I'm Corley Joy, driver number seven. This week will be the Schluter Systems Chevy Camaro headed to Nashville. Top 15 last year, so I'm excited to go back. But I'm also excited to welcome, as you guys know him, three of my best buddies, except for Merriman, front tire changer of Ryan Blaney's number 12, Ford Mustang, Pit Road Boats and Woes analyst Ryan Flores. What's up? We'll talk about your jersey off week and your kid throwing his shoes into the canal. Uh, but first, let's introduce uh, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm interested to hear what your off weekend was like, and then I'm not so interested to hear how Merriman's off weekend uh, went. Thank you for joining the show. I'm your favorite. You just don't want to admit it. I uh, I pick on you because I love you. The feeling's mutual. You must really love him a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to love. Yeah, so let's just talk about a little bit of off weekend stuff before we head in uh, so we nosedive into this Nashville race. I watched watched some film back, if you will, uh, from last year's race. It, had some good parts, had some, you know, not so good parts, but we can get into all those here after the off week. Father's Day weekend uh, is pretty cool. Now that I'm a father of two, hung out with mom and dad over at the house this past weekend and the two Rugrats. So that was pretty fun. And I didn't want to go anywhere. Uh, I just wanted to stay home because when you leave for the road 38 weekends out of the year, you just want to sit in a hammock and drink Vizzies and do nothing. And that's what I did. And it was great. Ryan, you went to Jersey for what felt like two weeks. How was it? It was good. It was only a week. I wish it was two weeks. We had a lot of fun. Got to go do a little bit of racing at Wall Stadium with my cousin. Uh, won his first street stock race. So my cousin Kevin, that was cool to be a part of. Uh, a lot of penny stackers up there. They were all excited to talk about the podcast. And then, yeah, we came home. And uh, Carissa and I's first, Carissa, my wife, used to be um, on the road. She was uh she worked for team Lowe's racing she was kind of for lack of a better term like one of jimmy's pr girls one of jimmy johnson's pr girls and we met the first time in richmond uh on those cobblestone roads there with old cliff suspended for four weeks left me on red when i asked him what happened daniels uh introduced me to my wife though so i let him off the hook but yeah so we stopped there and next thing you know crew kicked both his shoes into the canal so better than him being in the canal but the shoes are gone forever was the canal in richmond yeah, it's, it's a really cool spot. It's a place she found right next to like where the tobacco company and all that stuff where, you know, you go out is, uh, but yeah, it runs right through there. And it was on daddy duty too. Cause she was finishing there. I was like, I'll take them for a walk. And their shoes are a little too small anyway, but if anybody has some toddler sized vans, send them my way. <laughs> I mean, that does not surprise me. <laughs> no. See him just chucking those things and they're like a football. No, he kicked them off his feet. It was like, they got him on his heel a little bit and then football kicked him and then he did like the next one because i like when the first one happened i was like wait a minute and then i watched him do the second one i'm like oh you did that on purpose well once so. the first one goes you might as well let the second one go because you're not gonna, yeah, we gonna go. do. gone forever yeah, we gonna do 
Chuck, was there any uh, was there any reenactments this weekend with the off week? Or do you guys like was there a battlefield? You shot some muskets? No, no, I was uh, feeling a little under the weather this weekend, so my off weekend was spent right here on my couch. So you know that was fun. Yeah, Darn. yeah. But you know what? Hey, got a lot of good rest in. So that's you know, good. you know what makes you know what's some soul food, Chuck. I hope you made while you were there in the crock pot some monkfish chowder. Mm -hmm. you monkfish, know, you know. It, it's hard to come across the monkfish right now, but especially uh, when you're sick, did have some nice soups. Not getting a lot of monkfish yeah, yeah, when you're sick. Yeah. No, no, no. The 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 fact of cooking the monkfish would have been uh, probably enough to put me over the edge. Well, I'm glad you're surviving. Unfortunately, we are via Zoom because Chuck does not feel good, and I don't want to have to sit out another week because I like Nashville a lot. Uh, and speaking, last but not least, speaking of which, Mr. Jonathan Merriman, how was your off week? It was good. Went fishing, took the kids fishing. You know, put the John boat in the water. It's a good old redneck old time. Uh, did you did you just announce, we haven't talked about it on the show, you're going to be another father of three? Yeah, so we are uh, expecting baby girl number three at the end of November. So keep your two boys away from my house, Corey. <laughs> I hope my sons marry for wealth. Um, that's, <laughs> so that's why, hey, we might have to line them up. I saw your house. I see that moat around your house. You live in a mansion. Hardly. We'll, uh, give it a couple of years. We'll arrange. We'll arrange this thing. We got a little time though. An arranged <laughs> marriage, the LaJoy Merriman. Uh, that's going to be a good party though. That'll be a good party. As long as Jonathan wants to pay for it, that's dude. That's three weddings you have to pay for. <laughs> it, Brutal. It's not looking good for me. <laughs> so. Start saving now for college and weddings. Yeah, or hope that they have to pick one. Get them the scholarships for college. They give them for God weddings too. Almighty. Hey, look, it's look, it's it's twenty twenty two. All right, it's time for all things to be equal. I think I think it should be fifty fifty. That would make complete sense. But being the father of two sons, I don't want that to be the case. Just keep it the way it is. Sounds pretty well, good to me. We can arm wrestle over it. Enough of the pleasantries, ladies and gentlemen. We are headed to Nashville Super Speedway. Some people would rather go to the fairgrounds, but that's not an option yet, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to the super speedway, which isn't really a super speedway because it's only uh, 1.3333 miles. I think that it was a decent race last year. I was watching it before I jumped on here this morning, and Kyle Larson led 264 to 300 laps, uh, dominating fashion. A couple green flag stops, which everybody loves those, which I don't believe we will see this year as well. We saw a lot of rotor issues. Um, Ryan, why do you think – why do we think – we saw a couple of people blew through some rotors. I think that probably brake temperatures were higher than they thought uh, on corner entry there and just getting them too hot and then maybe getting them too cool down the straightaways. We see at mile and a half, we saw at Kansas, we've seen um, places like that before where, you know, at Martinsville, they, they get hot and they stay hot. Same thing with Richmond, you know, at bigger tracks, they get hot and they cool down and they get hot and they cool down and then it, they eventually crack and then explode. Yeah, we saw a lot of brake dust on the pit stops. Do you think the brake dust will be as bad this year, being that we have, you know, two-inch bigger OD rotors? I have not seen any brake dust issues, even, even at the tracks where we always do, you know, Martinsville, places like that. It's the temperature and the, the heat has not been there. I don't know if it's because of the way the, the wheels are constructed and air gets through there better or we're just not using as much brake or there's more grip or – you know, you're able to carry more corner speed because of the downforce underneath the cars. I'm not really sure exactly what the reason is. I just know that there has not been as much 
anywhere that we've been this year as there has been. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Years past. Gateway, Harvick had a rotor explode. I mean, to me, and I'm not an expert on this, but you look at Gateway, you look at Nashville, they're more similar than they are different maybe. So what do we know that happened with that, Skip? Have you heard anything come out of that? And I know that from, what, from talking to Rodney and – Hearing what Harvick had to say at C Chop the other day, he wasn't super surprised that that happened. I guess they had seen some cracking uh, in the rotors before, but but yeah, real long, like again, real long straightaways at Gateway and uh, and real you know tight corners. So if you're using a lot of brakes, if your if your car's not working great, or you got a bunch of front brake piled in that thing, and you're using it, using it, using it, and it's cooling down down the straightaway, eventually you know you see enough see enough cracks in those things, they eventually explode. So I have not seen or heard about much of those issues um they seem that they have like they have seen that rodney was not surprised like i said so i hope it doesn't happen this weekend that's always a sketchy situation so i'll get into the weeds a little bit technically so there are two different brake rotor compounds or packages there is a lightweight quote unquote and a heavy duty short track rotor right so forever there the there was no rules on brake rotors calipers it was like if you wanted to run the smallest brake caliper and smallest rotor that you think you could get away with a daytona you could run it if you wanted to run the heaviest duty rotor at martinsville you could do it but the heavier rotor is more rotating weight right and the bigger rotor more rotating weight less acceleration off the corner so talking to harvick those guys were running heavy duty fronts lightweight rears and if you get the cooling off a little bit you get a lot, a lot of Delta from middle of the corner when your rotors are a thousand degrees, 800, 900 degrees, and then they get cooled off to four or 500. And you keep doing that twice a lap for three, 400 laps and inevitably it's going to go. So something like, like for our team, we can't afford to break a rotor and the risk of running lightweight stuff and breaking one is, is not worth for what we think the risk of, or the advantage of rotating weight we elected to go heavy duty rotors front and rear this weekend, even though it's longer track, but a heavier duty rotor like holds the heat in it longer. So you can run a little more tape and you can run them hotter. So you don't get as big of a change from the straightaway to the corners. So I think with the new car, you won't see as many rotor issues now that also teams know what to expect 
They're going to have their tape, break tape dialed in. Also, 50 minutes of practice, you'll be able to get a good break temperature throughout the course of practice and get your stuff dialed in. I love 50 minutes of practice. I would love all the practice in the world. The, the owners wouldn't like that so much, but um, I like going to a track with 50 minutes of practice just to get kind of settled in. There's pros and cons, I think, because if you get a team like Hendrick with four good four good drivers, they can pretty much hone in on what the best setup is pretty quick. If you got you know, two cars on different setups like ours, it's hard to really get close. But um, I think we'll see a pretty good show this weekend, to be honest. I think we'll see something similar to Gateway uh, in terms of raceability and cars racing hard on restarts. Well, it's always a good time going to Nashville. I mean, since we went in 19 for the uh, banquet, that first time like each time we've gone back there's been more interaction with the city there's been like cooler things going on around town you know we're, i think the industry and the town are starting to kind of like find their footing as how the, everybody can kind of work together and do some cool stuff and i mean i you were talking about watching the cup race back and i haven't watched xfinity or truck back but i remember from being there last year that like those were exciting shows so you've got three exciting series and then a town that's got a lot of cool shit going on so i think it's going to be a great time personally oh for i think absolutely i mean anybody that hasn't been to nashville you need to go there no matter what anyways but if you can happen to time it coming up this weekend and come there to nashville super speedway outside town a little bit it's about 30 minutes outside of broadway if you leave tootsies after a couple of drinks hopefully an uber and you head over to the racetrack it should take you about 25 30 minutes to get there would love to see i believe it was sold out last year uh but fans were definitely pumped up to see uh nascar back in the city make sure you hydrate make sure you hydrate it's supposed to be hot this week so drink a lot it of water was hot last year people were flopping out make sure that's not you make sure you are eating some sort of salty things as well as drinking plenty of water to offset the bush light speaking of music city chuck before we jumped on here we were talking about one of my all-time favorite things that needs to come back drivers singing country karaoke via album now anybody that doesn't know chuck tell them what what it was not once but twice not once but twice you had two different times that drivers recorded i guess what you would call some of their the first one was drivers doing covers, and I think the second one was a little bit more of original songs that were NASCAR kind of tailored. But like the original, you had Daryl Waltrip, uh, Buddy Baker, Cale Yarbrough, Bobby Allison, uh, Richard Petty, all singing like classic country songs like Buddy Baker singing Butterbeans. Then in the 80s, you had Kyle Petty, Dale Earnhardt, um, Kale Yarbrough again. I think Kale Yarbrough just really liked singing that first time. So he went out and sang Ron Bouchard, uh, a couple other folks, and just put out these epically awful songs. If they're on the internet, go listen to them. Google them now. They're amazing. Merriman, should we do that today? Uh, yes, but I mean, I don't think you do all country music. No, I think that you ask somebody if they want to be on a NASCAR karaoke album. Yeah, you could have Ryan Blaney with his screamo music or Sturgill Simpson or whoever he wants, or I can sing some Garth Brooks, whatever I sing after a couple of drinks of Saeed, and like open the floor. Hey, Kyle Larson, would you like to sing karaoke with your favorite song and have it, have it so the whole world can hear? Why not? I don't know. I think, we should, I think we should get something going. Who do you think would do it? Who would be the, who, like, who are the guys that stick out 
Like, oh yeah, Bubba and Blaney, like we know they like music. Eric Jones, a big karaoke guy, apparently. Is he? All right. So he's on the list. I wonder what his go-to karaoke song is. I feel like this should be one of those questions that you guys know that you ask us before the season starts in our little media round. So add that to the list of questions. That way we have this on file and we can pull from it and compose an album. Tori Fox, if you're listening to this show right now, he's one of NASCAR's social guys, social guru. You should maybe uh, listen to that one. I feel like you need to just go to Saeed's on a Friday night and then just record, just hit record. And see who's there. Uh, and then just see where it goes. Yes. And don't let anybody know. There'd be like an Almondinger would be there. Yeah. And then you might get some, yeah, a couple, a couple spotters. spotters. Yeah. Who's the guy that you would least expect that would be on it? Like a BJ like McLeod. Tyler Reddick. Like, is he going to show up? Tyler Reddick? See, I feel like I would, I could see Tyler Reddick. I would doing least expect something. Harvick to do it and Truex to do it. They're like, yeah, they they stay pretty reserved with their with their persona. What what what's Ke, what's Kez pulling up with? What's Kezlowski pulling up with? I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be really obscure. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, I don't I don't know, but whatever he's listening to when he works out, I saw him barbell curl in <laughs> three fifteen on uh, social media this week. So I did not want to mess. Pantera. If, if that that pitcher circ, circulating somewhere, I would not mess with Brad Kozlowski. Guys, he had three hundred and fifteen pounds on the bar curling that thing like a real man. <laughs> Now, it might have been Photoshop, and they might have been styrofoam plates. But until it's proven until it's proven wrong, I think Brad Keselowski is the strongest guy in the garage. If you saw it on the internet, it's true. Absolutely. So until, until somebody tells me it's false, it is true. And we're going to talk about some pit road boats and wells. We're going to make this quick right after the break. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, we're back. Rolling into the Music City. We were talking to the front tire changer of Ryan Blaney's 12 car, who had some speed. He broke a rotor, had brake problems all day, right up until the point of impact last year. But I don't expect that to be the case. Ryan Blaney has set on three poles this year, and he is looking to be the last Penske car to punch his ticket to the playoffs. What yeah, can you, you guys at, do to you know, get him there? 
the last oval we went to, you guys had practice in, uh, in St. Louis and I felt like we were the best car. You know, I, I think we kind of, as a crew, take that one on the chin and say that we lost that race on pit road. We definitely didn't do anything to help him win, um, on the last pit stop, but you just got to be consistent. And this weekend, if it goes like, you know, many other, many other of the, you know, over mile tracks, you know, cookie cutter type tracks, you're going to be pitting a lot. You're going to be cautions about, you know, between lap 25 and 35, someone's going to probably blow a tire, have a problem, and you're going to have to pit. And that means, you know, with 25 or 30 laps to go in the race, you're going to have to do a money stop. So the the chances of, of really this turning into a pit competition like most mile and a half have this, this year uh, is pretty high. Is there a sense of urgency yet on, on the teams that are starting to see that win number with Daniel Suarez getting in last week? the numbers, uh, uh, the amount of people who are going to be able to point their way in is getting less and less by the week. Is there any urgency there that you can feel in your camp? Not, not really. I mean, Ryan's pretty solid in points right now, and you always want to win. But you start worrying about that when, when it, that comes time. Really what you worry about right now is, is week to week. If you, like, when you're competing and you're in it like we are, you're just focused on, okay, what do we do at Nashville? You know, and then – after Nashville, we focus on, okay, backward stops at Road America. What do we do here? So it's, it's week to week, and you make sure that you put the, the work in for that week. But, you know, I, I was part of Tony Stewart's team in 2011 when we didn't win a race all year, and we went to Michigan, and he told the press that, that we shouldn't even be in the playoffs. We were just going to be hogging up a spot for somebody that could actually win the thing. And then we won five out of the last ten races, and we're sitting on the stage at the end of the year with championship rings. So you got to peak at the right time. and And – Obviously, it's been very different this year with different winners and not really right when you think one team's down and out, they bust off a win. And right when you think one team's dominating, all their cars finish outside of the top 20. So it's been a weird year in that in that respect. But you also want to put yourself in position to be great come September and October. After the off week, do pit stops being that you got a little bit of a rest for your body? Do you think there's a little bit of speed there collectively when guys are kind of fresh going back going back to work uh i'm not i'm not sure like i've never really that like off weeks have never really done much for me other than like just a little bit of a refresher or just make me wish i had more time off sometimes but uh but no i think everybody will pick up right where they left off you know obviously the five team won't or we're getting you know the, the guys that that are are suspended or guys that are coming back i don't know what the situation is with the 11 those guys got to be getting close to coming back but um but we just got a tire carrier back who was out he was hurt uh for the last four weeks so you know with that that rest time is going to help our team for sure even though you know the guy we had in there carrying tires did a great job we just have our full team back together so it, it definitely mends a little bit and gives you a fresh look at it, but the the objective is still the same. One week off isn't really going to change any injuries or any aches and pains that you have. Well, you, you touched on it. Kyle Larson lost the right front tire at Sonoma, therefore giving Cliff Daniels, our good friend, a four-week vacation. So Hendrick called up Kevin Meandering, who isn't a stranger to the top of the box. He was actually the guy who tried to fill Chad Knauss's shoes for Jimmy when Chad left. Uh, he made it about three quarters through the year and coincidentally was replaced by none other than Cliff Daniels on that 48. So uh, what are just some of the differences between, I, I think about 
you know, how much of a motivator Cliff Daniels is. We Everybody heard it through the Coke 600. Uh, but I do think there is a little bit to be said about having a leader like Cliff Daniels and making a change like that for four weeks with Kevin on the box. Yeah, and, you know, I think Cliff is, is one of the crew chiefs who, you know, if he's, if he's there in person, there's some crew chiefs that if they're there in person or on the radio calling the race, they don't make that much of a difference. I think Cliff is probably one of the guys that, you know, he makes a difference being there. You can, you can tell how Cliff's feeling by looking at him or, you know, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. So if he's pissed off, you can tell. Um, so yeah, he definitely makes that team stronger being there, but you know, the strategy and all that stuff will be, will be done most likely by him from his desk at Hendrick, you know, called to Kevin and, uh, I, I think what's going to show up more just off TV is, is the guys that they, they choose to replace their Jackman and front changer. You know, that's not a, it's not an easy feat, especially when you're one of the top teams, you know, the, the, the defending champions, they're going to be running up front. They totally just, uh, they, they made this race very boring for everybody. They just dominated last year. So there'll be a lot of eyes on Kyle Larson and whoever they call up. I don't know. I haven't seen the rosters. I don't know if it's going to be two guys off your car or, what you know where they're going to get guys from but uh but yeah we'll like to see how they step up to the plate i have not heard if they took a couple guys off the seven i would presume so because my team has been uh pretty good the last couple of weeks so obviously that is good for me and then it also is bad because them guys are the next up if something happens to one of those house cars and i believe that is the case but it's not as easy of a transition uh i don't think as people make it from like one of those lead engineers, the guy that set, does the setups and builds the cars and simulation and calculates fuel mileage to being the general of the team, like a crew chief. Like you talked to Steve Letard about it and his, his responsibilities went from calling a race occasionally off, off your hip. Now that you even have software that calls the race for you and you don't have to do anything. You just plug in the numbers and it calls the race for you. He's a leader of men. And I think that luckily, right, Kyle Larson's punched his ticket twice to get into the playoffs and defending champion. So they're, they're going to be okay over the stretch. But I do think, you know, going from a guy like Cliff uh, to somebody that's, you know, been in the background a little bit certainly will, will show up. So that is a pit road, boats and woes. We will see how Kyle Larson and company handle it over this week in Nashville. Stick around right after this, we're going to take our Nashville picks and get into some penny for your thoughts right after this. And we're back. We're going to help you guys out with a little bit of fantasy picks because this is fresh on my mind. I just got done watching it. So we will line you up with some fantasy favorites and some underdog picks for your lineup. Flores, who do you got? Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like our team's going to be pretty strong this weekend, so I'm going Blaney. I think that we uh, get her done in Nashville. I don't think that that's a homer pick, to be honest. He had a lot of speed there. Uh, until he had some break issues. Who you got for underdog pick, who do you think? If I'm talking about any underdogs right now, it's hard to bet against the 34 team, even though I don't know that this really falls into their wheelhouse. They've just been, you know, when I, when I think of an underdog, six top tens for them or whatever it's been this year, and they've been pretty strong. Pickery's been strong, everybody, the whole team. So if I'm looking at any underdogs, I'm probably looking at Michael McDowell first. Yeah, I think the 34 is a good pick because they've got momentum, but the momentum comes from, I think it's seven top 10. So that comes from the confidence that McDowell has in how those cars are going to drive every week. It's the confidence Blake Harris is getting on top of the pit box. 
and they obviously found out what a pretty good baseline to make these cars go is for them. So uh, pretty good choice. Uh, 34, they have some momentum and a lot of confidence in that camp right now, as well as the Todd Gillum, big truck series dirt winner. That was definitely a confidence booster uh, that he needed because Cup Series has a tremendous way of kicking you down each and every week. So he'll have some confidence rolling into the Music City as well. Merriman, who are your choices? Uh, Eric Jones, I don't think it's big dark horse, but I'll pick him as my dark horse pick and as flat out favorite, either one of the track house cars home race for them. Justin Marks probably got a lot of eggs in this basket to get done, uh, to get it done there. So I think Chastain's probably the most likely pick to win this race, but, uh, you never know what, what getting the monkey off your back can do. And Suarez obviously has a, has a big load off after that Sonoma win. So maybe the Amigo doubles up. I don't, I mean, I think Ross would be the one in that camp that's going to run the best. He finished second there last year and was the only car that even got a sniff of the fives back bumper towards the end once the top got worked in. So uh, Ross Chastain will serve. I think this run last year for Ross was what uh, one of the watershed moments to let him continue because he was on the fence. He hadn't run tremendously consistent in that thing or have a whole lot of great runs, but that second place finish to start the summer stretch for Ross last year is what I think kind of propelled him into this deal. So Ross, I think pretty good pick Chuck. Who you got? Uh, for my pick pick, I like, uh, I like Kyle Busch. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously he has won there in the past in other series. Um, I think, was it last year that he got his 100th Xfinity win at uh, Nashville? something like that. He probably, I mean, every time he wins, he sets another record for number of wins that he's had at something or doing something. So I like him there. I think this kind of continues that Gibbs summer stretch that I was talking about the other week that maybe they're going to kind of come on strong here. It's a good track for him to do that for that dark horse pick kind of in line with the McDowell one. I kind of like Chris Bush. Oh, you took mine. That's a good one coming off of a third place, second place run. Where was he? Son of Second, if he beats Brad Keselowski to a win for his own race team, like, I know it's not a bad thing, but we really think that's going to happen. Dude, the six has not been, the six has not been strong besides in the gym. I mean, the man's curling 315 on a barbell, but he has not been strong on the racetrack. The 17 has been consistent every week. So I like Chuck picks. Uh, everybody left out the guy who led almost every single lap last year, Kyle Larson. If you do not have him on your roster, you are, D-U-M, my friends, D-U-M, if you don't have the five on your roster. And I think oh, you took my pick at Chris Busher because Chris Busher having to take a week off, seeing somebody else dance with your girl on a Sunday afternoon has him fired up, ready to bring some speed. Uh, so I'll just go with Chuck. I'll stick with the Chris Busher pick. So I think a lineup of Chris Busher, the 34, Kyle Larson in the 18, and the 12 would be a strong lineup as well. Time for some penny for your thoughts. Janie, what do we got? Our first one comes from Andy Horan, and he wants to know, are teams selling the extracurricular race sponsorships as an enhancement on their deal, or are the drivers getting that money, like Ally on Bowman, Hendrick Cars on Larson, et cetera? Oh, man, that's a uh, – it is a – it's not really a hard answer. It's because Ally was uh, GMAC, rebranded into Ally. They – do a lot of the dealership financing for Rick, which Rick has hundreds of dealerships across the nation. So that's obviously a B2B play there, just like HendrickCars.com, Valvoline, a lot of the stuff that you see on Rick's cars, similar to how you see uh, Penske 
do pass-throughs with Pennzoil, Verizon, a lot of stuff. Uh, those guys uh, just are able to weave those companies in with their other companies and make it work for their marketing purposes. Um, those guys are not asking for straight up money and decals on the car. Uh, so that's why they can make that deal work. And the driver's dealers deals are generally separate from those sponsorship deals. So Rick Hendrick is paying Kyle Larson to be a race car driver. And then he puts the coals underneath his sales team to make sure that car has stickers on it. Same way with William Byron, Chase Elliott, and, and Alex Bowman. Every, you know, William Byron has Liberty and some other stuff tied to him as well. Uh, but generally, that is how it works. A driver is a independent contractor for the race team. He's not really even an employee. He is contract labor, and he drives. He gives his services to the race team uh, that he wishes. Tom Osborne has a question, probably more so for Flores. He asks, will NASCAR ever use battery-powered impact guns for pit stops? I think that the, the issue that we've seen why, they, why they've never done that was, you know, the older battery-powered guns that we had had a spark in them. So that way they were worried about uh, what would happen with the fuel. But I guess with lithium now, they don't have a spark in them. So it may be something that they look into. But, uh, but with the amount of torque we got to put on these one lug nut uh, guns or with the, on these one lug nut wheels, I don't think we'd look at it there, but maybe in truck and Xfinity move forward. If they even entertain that idea, how long would it even take before you start seeing it on the field? If they entertain it now, obviously they have contracts with Paoli in both the Xfinity and the Cup Series, but the Truck Series is wide open. If it was something they were going to do there and they decided to do it, it, it could be something that they could implement next year if they wanted to. Chris Clark asks, would another team share setups with Spire, example, to be able to try more variations during a limited practice? I wish that was the case. Um, you know, that's where the old school alliances came from with when Joe Gibbs had a technical alliance with Front Row or Furniture Row Motorsports um, and on down the list, everybody's familiar with those, with how those work. NASCAR was trying to get rid of those with this next gen car, but when the bigger teams have more brains working on the, on the setups, a Hendrick, for example, isn't bring like if they think something might be as good, they wouldn't give it to the seven car for us to try. Like they're going to keep it in house. They would put it in the 48 for a week. And that way, if it does work, they still have it in house. They don't get, they don't let that intellectual property out. And that's just the way it works because they have more tools from, from Hendrick or from Chevy in terms of aero data and tire data and all the stuff that goes along with it. So you only can go as fast as you can afford to go. I would love if a big team shared, but this, this sport is not a sharing whatsoever. It never has been, nor will it ever will be. And our last question comes from Drew from having multiple drivers give feedback in the 77 car. And if so, how can you guys use that moving forward in the second half of the season? Um, you know, it's been fun to work with, with Landon, him and I've been friends for a while and in, in this thing, we've kind of been doing it the same way, just grinding through the, through the trenches and, and Josh's, this is best Josh's best opportunity on a Sunday. Um, but it's just hard to have a, a guy in and out every week. Um, you know, it takes them half three quarters of the race to get familiar with the track and the car again after he's taken a couple weeks off. So uh, it's a different engine deal on the 77 as well than what the seven is. So it's not quite apples to apples and it's hard to put a lot of stock into that uh, feedback we get, but there's certain things we can draw from, but it is not the, uh, you know, the, the best opportunity 
to, to work back and forth with having multiple guys driving that car. Both bring good knowledge, but it's without having a consistent voice in there every week, it's hard to hard to really make a lot of gains if you're just taking one car and one setup to the racetrack every week that you really have faith in. That's all we got, guys. Uh, thanks for the thoughts. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts each and every week on Twitter. Uh, love answering those questions for you guys. See what's on your brain. Penny stacker of the week. Uh, I was on the fence about doing one, but some guy saved the day for y'all. I was flying to Reno, Nevada last week for a Schluter Systems sales meeting. We go talk in front of those fine folks that continue to shovel coal in my NASCAR career. Uh, and I'm standing in line, a TSA pre-check. I hand my ID uh, to the guy's younger kid, probably 25, 26. And he takes it and like looks at me, sticks in the machine. He's like, you're not the real core of the joy. I said, unfortunately, I, I am, buddy. Sorry about that. No, like, no way. You're like the real core of the joy, the one that drives? I'm like, yes, buddy. Oh, dude, I love the podcast. Uh, so who'd have thought? that uh, somebody in Charlotte TSA uh, would have known who I am and was familiar with it. So yes, Denver was his name. So you, sir, are the penny stagger of the week. We have penny staggers all over the country in every sort of profession. And I'm flying back out to Buffalo tonight. Tough off week, I've uh, been traveling all around, but that is part of the gig. And as well as all you guys, for tuning in, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, all the stuff to keep this thing going. That way they can still justify that we should still do it because I love it. I know we all do. You guys love hearing about it. So that's it. Tune in 5 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, guys. It's the Ally 400 in Nashville Super Speedway. Great talking to you all, and thank you for stacking Penny.